0: In today's episode, we're sitting down with a sports and entertainment industry icon talking about leadership and culture. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What about the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that have driven success for them throughout their career? Then we apply all those things to the world of sports and entertainment. Now, in today's episode, I am super excited to introduce our guest, Scott O'Neill. Now, if you don't know Scott, you might not work in the sports and entertainment industry, But here are some of the roles that he's had and organizations that he's led. From 2000 to 2008, he was the senior vice president of the NBA's team marketing and business operations, better known as Teambo. From 2008 to 2012, he was the president over Madison Square Garden Sports. From 2013 to 2021, he was both the CEO of the New Jersey Devils as well as the Philadelphia 76ers. And from 2017 to 2021, He oversaw all of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment as the CEO. He also holds a number of board positions from Zoom.ai to Myota to Elevate being the co-founder of that organization. Now, most recently, Scott has left those organizations. He's with some of them on the board of directors, and he's still with Elevate. Uh, But he left Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, and he wrote a book called Be Where Your Feet Are, Seven Principles to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. So in today's episode, we are gonna dive deep into some of the principles from this book, but primarily we're gonna talk about stories from his time leading these different organizations, leadership principles and culture principles that he's pulled out of them. Everything from how to fire someone to how to balance an organization that is, has high accountability, but also strives to be one of the best places to work. A Lot of great insights, a lot of great stories in here with Scott. So without further ado, let's get this episode started. Here's my friend, Scott O'Neill scott welcome to the show
1: it's good to be here I'm, ha- I'm happy i'm healthy i'm sitting in my kitchen i don't know if you guys can see that but there you go
0: so if life you, is good if you're just listening to this feel free to go watch it on youtube you can see uh, scott's glorious kitchen behind him
1: it's beautiful
0: so scott talk to us about what you've been up to since you left harris blitzer what's been going on in your life
1: sure great question so i I wrote a book called Be Where Your Feet Are, so um, Seven Habits to Keep You Present, Grounded, and Thriving. It's a bit of a uh, walkthrough life, um, not, a, not a victory lap type book, but more a struggle, life lessons learned. I talk about being fired, running the company to the ground, my best friend taking his own life, and several other uh, challenges I've had. Um, that in, a, in an attempt to, to to humanize and connect with people who might need a need to raise their hand from now and again, so that's one thing. Um, I I went off to Mozambique for for three weeks with my daughter Kira with this incredible um, organization called Humanitarian XP, um, and we went over there to build a school. And boy, you want to talk about humbling? Um, I, you know, we were we built our I mean we built our Scaffolding out of tree branches, and so um, holy cow, yeah. And and uh, the first day I was up there, it was kind of shaky. I have no discernible skill set, um, and I and nor do I speak Portuguese, which is what the foreman spoke. So um, so you take unskilled labor and put them up on tree branches and, and hope things go well. But but the one, a couple of things struck me. One was as I looked out kind of on the horizon, um, we're building a school, two room schoolhouse, and, uh, and the kids are studying under a tree. Like you think about how blessed and fortunate we are in this country. And, and, um, and then, you know, I, I, uh, we unfortunately had one of the kids fall off first day, uh, off the scaffolding, about eight feet, 10 feet up. And um, his name is Clayton. And he fell on his back onto a um, cinder block. And, you know, I mean, I'm one of two parents on this trip. (laughs) So as he's falling, my life is falling. You know, I'm in slow motion. I see it all come crashing down. And, you don't want um, to make
0: that call home.
1: No. And he pops up. And he's like, oh, my back. And all I'm thinking is like, I'm 51. I'd have been dead. Okay. i have been there for me. Yeah, exactly. And the kid yeah. pops up. And um, and my daughter says to me, um, she said, dad, this, we can't do this like this. I was like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. She's like this. I was like, what's what's this? She's like, the scaffolding is not safe. And I said, well, what do you want to do? Sha? I'll, I'll fix it tomorrow. She's 18, 17 at the time. And so we come in the next day. And she goes into full general mode, which I appreciate. She's like, "Okay, we need uh, two more boards over there. We need some kind of chicken wire." I'm like, "Chicken? What's chicken wire?" <laughs> like, yeah, we need know. wire to tie these exactly. boards down. There aren't enough boards on top of the sticks." And blah. blah. Sure enough, you know, and I'm like, she's like, I'm like, what do you want me to?" Do? She's like, "Tighten it." So I'm like, tightening the the um the metal the the chicken wire, and she's literally coming over. She's like, "It's not tight enough. It's pulling it tight." She's like, "I need one more board here." And I thought, what a, what a lesson for life. Okay, not only to see your daughter lead is really cool, um, but for me, I I, I thought about scaffolding a lot, like I think about life, and and it's a lot like my book "Be Where Your Feet Are." It's like a lot of times life is is unsteady, and and the footing under you is so good, and you have a choice. You can hop up on it like like Clayton and I did. Clayton fell, I hung on, um, or you can act like my daughter and you you do some preparation and planning, and you scope out the best course of action going forward. And you lay the best plans, and you put people into action, and then you put QA around it. And it's a lot lot. I noticed a lot of the kinds of things you guys do. But for me, I had lessons like that every day. Um, which that, was awesome. I was in houses with no electricity. I was in houses with no running water. I, I got sick. And then you're like, Oh, that must have been miserable. I go, it was miserable, but amazing. Because I literally woke up one night, I had the shakes, and so I had a sweatshirt on. And I woke up, and I was like, I looked up, I was like, "Man, is there a hole in the ceiling?" Because um, I thought they had rained. Because I took my sweatshirt off and it just thumped on the ground because I had sweated that much. So I was sick, 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 sick. But even then, like, think about how grateful you are to come back and say, like, "Okay, I can just go to a doctor here. I just go to the hospital."
0: You know, I um, you got to be a little like, more resourceful there. Yeah,
1: for sure. I was very powerful.
0: Well, this is it's a great way to start the episode because I think that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is really kind of leadership through unsteady times, right? So, And and how do you dig in and figure out, okay, how do we piece this together to make sure that we're leading people in such a way that they feel fulfilled? And, and this this retreat to Mozambique almost felt, it feels like there's a lot of lessons that are wrapped up in your book as well. So... Let, let's, let's start with the book. Uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time, but it's a great book that I think everybody that's listening should get. But maybe talk about one of the key points, whether it's finding perspective, seeking authentic feedback, cultivating reflective strength, li- living a leadership constitution. Let's talk about maybe your favorite point from the book and go deep rather than hitting high level on all of them.
1: Awesome. I think my favorite is um, Assume Positive Intent. So okay. API. So that you know that that lives I, I love the notion of a common language and and I have a common language around assume positive intent or API at home, at church, at work. And so I will tell you that I am I am not for the faint of heart. Okay. I like to debate. I love creating cultures of accountability. I love to put people on the spot. I love to challenge them. I love to grow I'm okay with failure I kind of like the innovative approach to to building companies so so and and that that begs itself to fail and fall um but but having a common language anchored in API allows my executives to come in or did come in I say I remember Adam Davis a great executive just left um to go run two circles he walked in and he said he just gave me like the Scott I need you palms up okay now palms up means I don't have my arms crossed. I don't know everything. I'm palms up, I'm open to listening. I'm open to learning." He said, I need you API. I need you to assume positive intent. in in other words, I don't need you putting me on the hot seat. I don't need you getting emotional. I don't need you getting up in my business. I need your experience. I need your brains. I need your creativity. I need your ideas. I need your love. I need your compassion, all that stuff. So, So API, assume positive intent means I don't have prejudgment." It means I come into a conversation empty-headed. I always like the the visual of, of of a you know if if you go on a big hike and someone helps you carry your bags and they have all the luggage like stacked on their back. Mm-hmm. I feel like you walk into relationships and conversations oftentimes with with a, a theoretical version of that luggage all stacked on our backs. And a lot of that c- it could be you know, like I have three three daughters, so a lot of that's like you know best or most analogous with a teenage daughter and her mom. You know it's like that you know that that like tension and friction. That's not real, but it's like all right, this luggage right. from something that someone said to you three years ago that you're still carrying around. Um, I like, so, so I, I think assume positive intent, um, will help change families
0: and change lives at work. Let, let's dive into that a little bit. I, I want to dive into it from two perspectives. Uh, the first one I want to dive into is I, you know, we spend a lot of time working with sports and entertainment, college athletic departments. Um, and I think sometimes you would think that in that environment, assuming positive intent would be throughout because that's what you have to do on a team side of things, right? It's like I think about the Last Dance and the Jordan documentary, and at the end of the day, even though Jordan's delivery wasn't always there in in a positive light, it was in positive intent because he was trying to drive and lift the team up, right? But I think sometimes in the front office, too often we get territorial, and that assuming positive intent goes to the wayside. So I, I guess my, my question would be, how does it get to a point in a, in an organization from your perspective where that assuming positive intent is not there? And what can leaders do to kind of reinstate that assuming positive intent culture? If it's, if they're living in a culture right now that that is not the default, the default is arms crossed rather than palms up.
1: Right. I mean, usually as, as a leader, it starts in the mirror. I mean, so it's very hard. Um, you know, I've, I've had a series of executive coaches, for example, who have helped me quite a bit. And so I, I think, you know, you, you want to avoid the emperor has no clothes syndrome. Um, and and that, that is something where, you know, when you, when you get to a point in, this org- in organizations and you're the athletic director or the university president, or you're the CEO of a team or you're the general manager of a basketball team or you're, you know, in some universities, the, the head football coach or the head basketball coach. There, there are very few people um that tell you the truth very few um you know unfortunately i married a very strong woman um she's got no problem telling me the truth uh, so um and um and i surround myself with with a uh, i have historically surrounded myself with with confidants who are strong and 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 have their own voice and have no problem let me, let me just give, give it to you in a story just just for, okay. for that sake um, when I first got to the Philadelphia 76ers, there was a, it was a mess. It was a mess culturally and um, it was a sleepy organization and it was run like a mom and pop dry cleaners and, and no, no disrespect to, to college athletic systems, but um, programs, but, but some of them are sleepy, you know, and they're, they're just, no question. you know, they haven't been staffed and, and, um, and, and that's what this was. And, and we didn't want that. That's not the environment that I came into work in. So, um, and there was some stuff happening there that, that even pre-Me Too movement uh, would, would not inspire you. And um, and so so we had to make some changes, and we made them. And I, I brought this one young man in. Um, I, he was, I don't know, 26 or something, young guy, but but um, I knew him before. Uh, he had a reputation of an incredible leader, manager. And I said, just come in here. I'm going to tuck you under the, um, in this one department. And, you know, your boss is not going to be here very long, so I, I just need you to, like, stick it out, just suck it up you know, which is a really hard environment to put somebody in. It. And I recognize that. Well, sure enough, we cleaned it up and the, the guy was gone. We just had to administratively deal with some stuff. And so he he ascended to to a, a job where he was running a big group of people and he had a lot of pressure on him. And I was leaning on him all the time. And he's 26 or 27 years old. You know, and he's managing now a hundred people. I was like, hire people. You know and I'm I'm saying? Every time a, a seat's open, I'm like, what's that seat cost this today? Well, there are five mm-hmm. seats open. Okay. That's $12,000 today because we don't have efficiency, you know, that kind of like management, you know? And I, I told him, um, not so nicely to sweep his team, meaning Mm. roll them out, get them out. I was like, it's, it's like, I don't know who's good and who's bad. And I don't care. Like I, they were not running this in a place that's inspiring. I don't want to work in a place where there's some of that. So if they were here, this guilt by association and that's sad and we'll treat them all well, but like, you know, and so he came in and he made this pretty good appeal for this one person. And I was just like, no, I'm like, was I not clear? You know, and so he comes back the next day. He's like, look, Scott, I know our conversation yesterday didn't go so well, but I just want to tell you, you know, that I think you're making, you know, you, you're pushing me to make a mistake here that's bad for the organization. I was like, are we still having this conversation? <laughs> you know, he's like, no, no, I just wanted to. You know, he's, he's young, and I'm the CEO, and I'm like yeah. wagging my finger. So he comes back in the next day. He's like, I hear you. Okay, and I said, like, "We're not really talking about this person again, are we?" He's like, "I was like Jake, sorry, shouldn't say his name, Jake."
0: <laughs> you know, well, it's it's out there. We can we, we, we can bleep it. We'll bleep it.
1: No, it's okay. So he says,
0: "Go ahead." He says,
1: "Are you going to let me do my job?" And I was like, "Welcome to the team." In other words. And I I did say, which I couldn't help myself, I said, okay, then it's on you. Now, this person became one of our great stars in the organization. How about that? The person
0: that he vouched for.
1: Mm -hmm. Became one of our our elite, elite stars. Okay. And um, and so what's that message? What's that lesson? Okay. Here's one lesson. You don't know everything. Okay. You're the AD. You don't. You're the football coach. You don't. You're the basketball coach. You don't. You're the CEO. You don't. You have instincts and you have experience and there's value in that and your gut you have to trust on the other hand you hire really talented people and you have to create an environment that gives them the license to disagree with you and you have to empower them to make decisions that they have conviction around and so and 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 yes um i was wrong and by the way i was wrong a lot a lot Um, but it was okay because i and i have a lot of conviction around a lot of things and i have a very strong voice and a very strong personality but man, you, you put that strong voice and strong personality around a weak team, and you got a real problem.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I think as, as a voice- lead,
1: go, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, i so say you put that around a, a world class team people who are aligned around a, a common goal, a common mission, people who are um, not afraid to work unreasonably hard, be extraordinary teammates, who are intellectually curious, who are wrapped about around innovation and, and creating and doing things that have never been done before, that they're okay with failure, because they know, they're going to um, post op and, uh, and drag it down and get some learnings. That's, that's a team man. you hop in a bunker with that team. Uh, but and I, I think that's the whole concept of like, you don't know everything. Okay, you don't and you can't scale one person. One
0: person doesn't scale it just doesn't work. Except if you're Steve Jobs. Unless unless if you're Steve Jobs. Even Steve Jobs had a lot of people around him. But still, Uh, this ties really well into kind of the transition in this next question I wanted to ask, which is I I have heard you talk so many times about some of these foundational skill sets that other people might call soft skills. I know you hate that word. Uh, I hate the word because there's
1: nothing soft. it's,
0: It's not. It's not. It's really hard. Uh, to do those things. It's complex. Dealing with people and working with people is so much harder than just looking at numbers. But so how did how did you balance creating this environment that I've heard you talk about as you know, we wanted to create the best place to work mashed with this extreme levels of the extreme levels of accountability and what you just described where you said, hey, these people aren't cutting it, sweep the team, right? I think a lot of people look at those two things as separate. I know, I know from from my perspective. If you've got A players in the room, A players want to work with other players. I've seen it first firsthand as a leader, right? And and I see those things as not being separate. But I know a lot of people listening would see those things as well. If you're creating a great culture, you can't say go fire people. How do you how do you balance that and how can you encourage leaders yeah. to kind of think about those? those well, if that's the things.
1: case, I'm in a lot of trouble. Well, I have a notion <laughs> that that uh, I'm sure you've heard this before: A's hire A's and B's hire C's. Have you heard that before? I have. So I, have. So I, I definitely, um, you know, have been through a few change situations and, um, and, and and, haven't had the best track record of keeping entire staffs intact. You know, from my last organization, um, when I left after eight years, there were 12 people there from when I started, just to give you a sense. Um, and some of that is, is forced attrition. Some of that's, you know, people looking for other opportunities or getting better opportunities. Um, some of it's somewhere in the middle. I can tell you that that the core notion of treating people like people holds, especially when you're firing somebody. And um, and I fired hundreds of people in my life, and that, that's not like a source of pride. And I'd say out of the, let's say I fired 300, say three, whatever, however, in, 300 people. I'd say like 250 of them send me holiday cards every year. You know? And so the question right. is, well, how the heck does that happen? You know? Yeah. Because because this is a really small industry and, and, and we don't have the luxury um to be dismissive so from the most machiavellian way you're, you're trying to create an ecosystem um of support and friends from a humanity way i've been out of work i've been out of money i've been you know on my heels i've, I've had foreclosure notices on my house when i ran a company to the ground so i i i am very compassionate and empathetic for for families and pressure and all that stuff and um and so the way, if I, if I were firing you, I, I would call you in my office, you know, and, and, and we would have had several conversations before. So you're not surprised, okay? I don't, I don't like right. surprises. I said, David, so, so nice to see you, um, how are you doing? And you would probably say, okay, or I'm hanging in there, okay? Because you would know. And I would say, okay. I said, well, let's talk about your future here because it doesn't seem bright. Like you're, I know what you want to be, And I know what you want to accomplish and I know what your career goals are. And they're not going to happen here. Mm -hmm. And what I would love to do is work with you to see that. I don't know if it will take you three months or six months. Um, but you're the same person three years ago we hired that was smart and brilliant and hardworking and charming and an incredible deal maker and a great teammate, you're still that same person, but for some reason it's not working here. And that's okay. Okay. Could be your boss, could be fit, could be me, could be the culture. Who knows? It could be a combination of things. But I want to help you get to a place where you can be extraordinarily successful. And so my pledge to you is, you have me. So whatever you need. So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how long it's going to take for you to find a job and how I can help you get there. Do you want me to make phone calls? Do you want me to walk you into interviews? Do you want me to help introduce you to people who might invest in you? Let me know how I can help you in this ecosystem. And inevitably, the person takes two or three months and they find a wonderful job and they're they're sailing. And I haven't put them in sideways. I haven't made them awkward. I haven't put their families at risk. I haven't I haven't done any of that stuff. And yet we've cleaned out the, the organization of, of someone who wasn't thriving. And it has to be okay, you know? And by the way, the social contract between the millennials, by the way, I love this generation, is completely different. Now, I, this tell is- me, this, Tell, me, this tell being, me more. Okay, so here's what I've experienced. This might not, not, not be every millennial, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I believe that they, um, they will work hard and they're very smart and they understand their brands and our brands a lot better than we do. And they want to be promoted tomorrow, you know, and maybe every other day, they expect complete and full transparency and they want to understand and know what, what the CEO or the leader believes in, what mm-hmm. their mission is and what they're willing to do to back it up. And if they don't like it, they're just going to walk away. Just walk. They don't have cars, they don't have houses. They're like, I'm leaving. I, a couple of them, I said like, No, no, no. But but just shouldn't you stay? So you have another job? I'm like, No. I think I'm going <laughs> to go to the DR. I'm like, You're going to go to the Dominican Republic? Yeah, just for a couple months. I'm like, With what yep, money? You're not going to find a job there. there. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And I I I, I love I love this group because. They challenge us as CEOs and leaders to be better. They, they really do. And if it doesn't, and our, our we have to, the missions have to align. Like it's amazingly challenging. Um, and, 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 um, but I, I've, I've really appreciated this group now in terms of, so their loyalty is zero, right? And, and, and COVID think about loyalties and like, so we have oh, some of these relationships that's broken now. So now I have no connect, no direct contact with you. Now they're just walking away. For another ten grand, it's pretty wild.
0: Yeah, and 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 let let's get into this. Um, I maybe, maybe we'll just go there right now. I I think we see that. I mean, I know for me on my Twitter feed, it is filled with guys and girls my age. So I'm 32 now that have been in sports for the last 10 years or so. And there is it just feels like on Twitter at least, there's been this mass exodus of talent that has just left the industry in the last 18 months because they felt burnt out or they felt undervalued. I'm sure that you've probably seen this as well. I mean, how do you approach this and what advice would you give to other senior leaders running these organizations that people are quite literally fleeing from? Is that because they're, is it because they're too soft or is it because things have changed? Tell tell me how you think about this.
1: Well, the social, like I said, the the contract's different now. And so, you know, I think we, we, the leaders of corporate America, sports, et cetera, we haven't adjusted enough yet. Like we, we were, we are too slow to create an environment um, that will attract the best and keep the best talent. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's a, that's a tremendous opportunity challenge. Tremendous. And so, so what does that actually look like? I, I'm, I have been um, talking to a ton of executives to try to figure out what the heck is working. <clears throat> the, um, the, the work from home. That's the other thing too. It like, and I'm I'm old school stubborn and I was just like I remember with my team, I'm like, now everybody's gotta come back to the office. And they're like, Have you lost your mind? <laughs> I'm like, What? Is that a bad idea? <laughs> like, like think about it, but like most guys are my age that are running the- or Hell older. Yeah. And Hell so yeah. so they're thinking the same thing I am. And like again, fortunately, it goes back to like, do you have a strong enough team around you to tell you when you've lost your mind? It's like they're like, Yeah, that's not gonna work. Everybody will walk out the door. I was like, Oh yeah, of course. Right. I didn't mean that, I was just testing you guys. Um <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and now you, you think like, okay, well, what does the hybrid work environment look like? And how can we be highly functional? Well, what does it actually look and feel like? Now people are coming to the office two days a week and the people that they're supposed to talk to aren't there. So are you mm-hmm. flexible enough? Can people come in till 2 o'clock and then leave?
0: Yeah.
1: Are you bringing different groups together? So that's the best stuff I've seen is that the leaders of the, your senior leaders are assigning days, and coordinating with other senior leaders so that the teams that intersect are coming at the same time. And there's software, like really simple software that can help you you manage that. So that's been effective. Flexibility in terms of like, if I don't have to be here in certain jobs, can I just do it from home in the afternoon? And what guys like me, I say guys like me, um, older, a little more stubborn, a little self-assured, have to realize is like, people are actually working. Okay? They're working. They're not like home... Watching Ted Lasso, wonderful series, by the way.
0: But, great series, um, a lot of leadership lessons great, there. but Go brilliant, ahead. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah,
1: every leader should watch that show, both seasons. Um, but, but I, I do think what we're missing though with the work from home or the hybrid is, is like, what? How do you build culture? How do you build connection? How do you build relationships? Like that's the stuff we have to solve for. You know, we did we did one thing early on in COVID, which I thought was was really effective. Um, And that was, you know, when it was in in the days of like, we didn't know what was going to happen. We were, you know, our, our, Mm -hmm. my directs and senior team were meeting every day, every morning. And so everybody was assigned some exercise. So every day, a different person would be assigned an exercise. And there were 15 people on the call. And so it started with like, hey, what's your favorite vacation place? And it turned into listen to this TED Talk and weigh in on how it might impact us at work or at home or I mean, it was incredible. And so every day you got a leadership connection and I got to be, get an inside look into my 14 good friends who, from work, who I, some of them I knew a long time and some of them I I didn't know very well, but you got a peek behind the curtain. So it wasn't just the dog or the kid running in the back. Now I got to know what was in here, you know, and in here. And and I think things like that, um, and this happened over Zoom. And I would tell you that, None of those people were looking for jobs, at least while I was there. Um, they all stayed. They all were connected and relatively happy and and the, the the mistake was because I kept saying, "Can you funnel this down?" which I don't think many of them did, but can you take the same exercise and push it down because you already have the content, so then just moving it down so the VPs are doing it with their teams and the, you know right. I don't right. think that happened, but I think that was the missing link but but I think from from our perspective, like what are ten ideas that look and sound a lot like that? So that you, when that, when the headhunter calls or the job gets posted and it's 10 grand or 15 grand or 20 grand more, you're like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm gonna miss this.
0: Yep. You know, we, so, so we, we, we created a, uh, an ebook when this thing first started of like 77 ideas to help build your virtual culture. We'll link to it in the show notes and we can, we can send it to you. It's, It's got, it's got a bunch of things like that, but there are a lot of overlooked things that, that come into this. So, so like, if you do flex days, right. Are your conference rooms set up for zoom? Like, is it the practice? Cause that's the worst. I mean, was when you say, okay, I'm going to do a flex day, but there's a meeting that takes place and then they don't send a zoom link out to the meeting and you're the only one that's not there. You feel left out. So there's a lot of little tactics and things like that, that you've got to take into consideration when yeah, you start.
1: I agree. But like, it's also the executives, like they can't say like it's a flex day when it's not true. You
0: know what true, I mean? True. Yeah, so it's like hundred setting everybody a schedule
1: be all in like it's yeah. like you know and again I, I if you if you just ladder up like just ladder up and say like I want to create the greatest place to work in the world start there and say what does it look like what does it feel like what does it sound like what does it feel like for my head of IT what does it feel like for you know the receptions what does it feel like for my VP of sales and then you, you have to build out across because it's very different and we need different people at different times especially in this business, it's like, you know, we're in the relationship business. We're in the hospitality business. We're in the entertainment business. I What well, scared the life out of me was last year when I, I started tracking, I said, I wanna know how many people are coming to games. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if they're not coming to games, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. And we always check, you know, best place to work, blah, 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 blah. I will tell you, our numbers went like this, <sighs> in terms of, am I, will I recommend this place? someone else during covid plummeted i talked to at least 30 of my friends same numbers same thing so wow. general overall satisfaction from at least my small sample set of 30 mm-hmm. painfully bad anything like i've never had bad numbers and it's like okay well obviously the work the line the like the the thinning line from work from home and home from work is now completely evaporated completely gone yep. um, a lot of the, the people in this industry working you know live in the studio apartment like me, I've got, you know, I'm going to go to my office, close the door. I'm good to go right, right, I turn right. out for lunch. You know, not everybody has that. And so, so we have to, we have to create space and find ways that make it, you know, keep connection, keep it safe and easy and celebrate. You know, I, I um, I'll go back to the story. When I first started at the six years. I remember talking to this woman and I, she was kind of, creating the fact that she hadn't taken vacation in 12 years or something like that. And I was just like, but that's terrible. You know, like that's like vacation. I was like, by the way, I take a ton of vacation. I was like, well, now permanent vacation, but but, now, um, yeah, that's right. but, But I would just say like, you know, you go on vacation to, to, to read and reflect and, and study and, and, and listen to the waves crash and watch sunsets and eat good food and think, and, and like, we're in a business that's, that's not very strategic, um, but it does, um, require creative energy and, and creative energy does not come from doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over every day. It's like, you need to see things. You need to experience different hospitality. Like you need to go you, see you the do. world. I, I, I believe that. And so cool. think about what's happening in COVID. <sighs> I'm sitting in my terrible studio apartment, staring at a screen on my 18th consecutive zoom, this sucks. That's
0: what people are saying a hundred percent. And and I think a lot of people during COVID fi- try to figure out, I'm going to tie this back to the book actually right here, because I think there's a great point in there. a lot of people during COVID during that time. And when I think it's the same thing that happens when you go and take vacation, right? You start to realize what's most important, right? And so it's, it's a com- concept you talk a lot about in the book, but when you think about in, in the workplace, when you've got someone that has figured out what's most important to them, but it doesn't necessarily align with what their leader's view of what is most important. I mean, how do you, how do you manage that as an individual? If your leadership doesn't view what's most important, the same as you, I mean, do you just get up and leave? Is there managing up? I mean, how do you think about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously it depends on who you are and what your circumstances For sure. are, but, but I, I, I think, At least from what I've experienced from millennials, if there's no alignment, they're just walking out the door. So I think that's what's happening. Um, I I take it from a leader's perspective and say like, okay, as a leader, what the heck am I doing? Um, well, I'm, I am, I'm making sure that I have touch points. So what do those touch points look like? You know, I mean, nobody wants to be on another zoom call. They don't, they don't. But if you're running an athletic department, they might want to be one when the basketball coach is on, or the football coach is on, right? They might so, want to be one when your your star quarterback can come on and and, and talk yeah. about the game last night for sure, yeah. right? Like, you know, we have all these tools and tricks of the trade. Like, we have to put them to use. Um, I, I would I would say like there's some really like simple engagement tools you can use on Zoom so so that you're not it's not talking heads. You're actually like you're doing like quick surveys. You're dropping them, encouraging them to roll through through chat. You're actually giving them some exercises to start that aren't hey, let's start the meeting. It's like, hey, everybody just drop in the chat um, three things you did this weekend that that you loved. Um, Hey, just drop in the chat really quickly one thing you're grateful for. Hey, drop, like,
0: we have to...
1: Humanity. Like, find some connection. Find something more than the mundane job we have. Like, make this matter and count. And this next generation, of which you're a part, is like, the games aren't enough. And for my generation, it was. It's like, well, I get to go to games. Like, they're like... You may not have to work another night. Think of the difference. So, so therefore, like, what are you doing for them at games to make it special? How are you creating connections? Are you, like, putting a, a, a bubble wrap around a certain area that they're not allowed to go? Are you making them use a food voucher and eat a hot dog? Like, what are we doing? Like, how committed are we to creating a wonderful experience for the people who matter most to us? It's not the fans. It's the employees. Yeah, what were the employees some of first. They're, they're,
0: they're ready to go. They'll take care of the fans. What were some of your favorite tactics or strategies that you guys used to to do more than just you know the, the mundane things to get people and break people out of their shell?
1: Yeah, I'll give you one, but I, and I'll tell you like uh, where it went south. I mean, <laughs> which was kind of funny. So um, we, we we we're very committed to mind, body, soul. Um, and so when you come to when you did come, the last two places I worked, um, we were committed to developing you as a person and professionally. So you had a, a personal development plan and a professional development plan. And we managed to that and so so, so uh, again like um i have to know you personally to engage in your personal development plan and i have to know you personally to engage in your professional development plan. and my commitment is i'm going to help you get there that's my as a manager it's my commitment so it's a, pr- a pretty pretty fun way to work um and so around that we held different different things um but my favorite was i would do a leadership development meeting once a month and so it, it was basically which I love, you know, it's my family business. Um, that's my, my, uh, my folks did for years. And so, you know, it was an article, a Ted talk or something I would send them. And then we would, I would open and then we'd break into groups and we facilitate the discussion and talk about it and talk about takeaways and how this might impact you at work and home, etc. And so, uh, and I, and I love, and I, I truly loved it. And, um, and I, I would hire this one woman who's a total superstar. Um, and um, she came in and made an impact. Like, you know how some people come in? I, I knew when, I, when, when you're interviewing someone and after five seconds you go into sell mode, she was that person for me. And it doesn't happen very often. And it's like five seconds in, I am selling her. I'm coming here. And so she takes the you'll, job. You'll she love to see
0: it.
1: Immediate impact. Like, immediate. Now, we had a big hole in that area, but still just came and just slayed it. And she was a great teammate. Everybody was raving about her. I was like, this is awesome. So easy. So I I do a 30-day check for for new folks. And we can talk about onboarding a little bit because I think that's a secret sauce as well. But so this is my 30-day check. I bring her in. I said, Amy, how are you doing? She said, great. I'm like, fantastic. I love your work. The feedback's been amazing. What what do you need to be effective and successful over the long haul here? She's like, I need more resources. I was like, join the club. But let me see what we can do, (laughs) et cetera. And and, and so I said, okay, well, what, what's what's your worst moment of the day, or the week, or the month, or what, what's what's something we can improve, et cetera? She says, uh, worst moment's easy. That's your leadership meetings. I was like, uh, what? That's not. That one wasn't. Like, <laughs> I was like, that, that wasn't what I expected
0: you to say. <laughs>
1: what? Um, so I said, okay. Um, tell me more. And she said, well, I I don't like to be put on the spot. I don't like to be cold called and, and the night I've had, I've been to two of them and um, quite frankly, like the night before I can barely sleep because I'm worried that you're going to put me on the spot and embarrass me. In meeting. Mm. I'm like, okay. I said, well, and what if I just say, I'll never call on you. And you, you have to raise your hand and be called on. I was like, would that put you at ease? She's like, yes. But think of the lesson there, right? Like here I am. i um, who wouldn't want a, to to be in a leadership development session? Who wouldn't want to, you know, because I'm in my own, I'm in my own world, you know, but you, you, you find out, you know, I learned that from my, my youngest daughter who's, um, she's, she's introverted. She's got some social anxiety. She's a uh, amazing, amazing young woman, um, but, but struggles with, with, you know, she doesn't want to walk into a cocktail party. By the way, my wife doesn't either. Um, but I couldn't wait to get to a cocktail party without knowing anybody. Like drop me into a room of 200 people. I'd be like, this is awesome. My oldest daughter's the same way, but my younger one, I had trouble connecting with her early on in her life. And I I read quite a bit about introverts and, and, and it was really humbling to me because I, I, as I'm reading this book, I can't remember the name of it. I was reading this book and everyone who's, who's worked with me and not, and and failed, I either, you know, let go or they left. It's like, they're running through my head faster and faster and faster. And, and, and I, and my big takeaway from Amy and from my, from my daughter, Eliza is, is that, you know, we as managers, like we can't manage for the masses, it doesn't work. And so we have to understand each person individually and and that's hard. Okay. Especially as your organization grows, but, but, you know, just to speak about this one segment introverts and there are several segments, but you know, they're smarter, they come up with more creative ideas. They're more intuitive, um, and, they and totally to put them in an environment where you're having them present to people is insane. Yeah. To have them Absolutely. me calling on them and making them sick to their stomach is is irresponsible, you know. And, and fortunately, you know, I had a had a connection with Amy where she could tell me the truth, and I and with my daughter, um, she taught me quite a bit about how to create an environment that where everybody can be successful, and it, it, it you know it, it drives that point of diversity obviously as well.
0: And and I think as a leader, it's a it's a good lesson from for sports because I think a lot of times traditionally in sports it was very much this is the way we run things. It's a privilege to be here. If you don't like it, get out. We got a hundred people lined up around the door to take your job. That is not the case anymore. And I think as leaders, right, you really do have to change your leadership style to say, how can I get the best out of this person in front of me right now. As opposed to saying how can i get how can i how can the masses just adapt to my leadership style you really have to to kind of mix it up that's Uh, right one one thing i want to hit on i know we're 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 wrapping up here on time so i've only got a few more questions I, i want to talk about how from a performance perspective there were times especially on the court uh where your team wasn't performing as To the the best of their ability, you weren't at the top of the table, right? In fact, you were at the bottom of the table for a couple of years. How, as a leadership team, were you still able to keep that best place to work, that attitude of gratitude? I mean, how were you able to still keep that? And how were you still able to engage customers on the other side of the business, even though the team performance wasn't where it should have been? Because I think a lot of times we get resistance when we're working with people because they say, winning will solve everything. And it doesn't. How did you work with that?
1: Well, first, winning might solve a lot. Um, I'm not solve it, mask it. Okay, so so they are right. Like you know, the problem is, is like we're not shooting. You know, we're not catching balls. We're not hitting home runs. Like it's it's not our job. Um, And so, um, I philosophically, I like the term of, and and you can change it depending on the sport. But I like to be fifty win ready. Is how I like to think about my business. And so, in hockey, we say be hundred point ready. So. So in other words, like it's just a slope. You know, you want to be ahead of the sporting side, okay? Until they win, and then you just increase the curve. Like that's that's our job, increase the curve. Um, in in us, we we had the worst team over a three-year period of any team in NBA history. Just to give you a sense of of how well we did on the court, and yet our business grew substantially every year on both tickets and sponsorship. And so we were either um, blind lucky or we created a culture to, to fight through that. And I, I'd say, um, I'd, I'd take both, by the way. Um, I'd even take That's 50-50 right. on both. Um, and, 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 and in many cases, I think we we struck a chord in terms of marketing. Like I, I've been through Linsanity um, when I was with New York, uh, which was what I call fan-driven. And I've been through Trust the Process, which is fan-driven. And I... I, I I'd say fan driven because, um, we never use either of those slogans publicly, uh, we just fan the flame. And so, you know, when you can get to a point where, where you can leverage marketing that's happening, um, life gets really good. If you're an organization. Um, I also think that, um, fans buy two things. They buy winning, but they also buy hope. And so that's our job. That's our job is to create hope and hope is a story and, and you can use the actors if you will um the actors could be a coach could be a star players could be um, you know um recruits coming in it could be draft picks could be you know depending on what, what level you're you're playing playing the game but you have to be um weaving a narrative. by the way if you don't have a narrative you probably have the wrong system right like you have the wrong ad wrong coach wrong, whatever but but let's assume you have the right people like you've got to weave a narrative as to what people can believe in and then you have to have the right infrastructure and people and culture I will say that those three years were the most fun I've ever seen an office have. And, um, I've never right. seen anything like it. And, um, what, and I, what drove that? Had, what's that? What drove that I, fun? Yeah. That, that's, that's one where I think, you know, we had the largest sales staff in the world at that point. Um, and I remember my friends like giving me a hard time and I was just like, God, it's just math for me. Like, like, what do you mean? I said, well, a sales rep pays for himself. In nine and a half weeks, so I'm gonna keep hiring until that curve changes. And they're like, you can't do that. I'm like, but well, why not? I guess it's like the easiest thing ever. Like until you're losing your best reps because they can't make enough money because you, you you're sucking money out of the out of the um, the pool for your best people. I was like, this is easy. So anyway, so we had a really large sales staff, and then we had that guy I mentioned um, who gave me a hard time about wanting to sweep his staff. He he's he's now running the Devils. He's the best people manager I've ever seen. And, um, his name is Jake Reynolds and, uh, and, and he created an environment of fun and celebration. They all had like sales songs, each had an individual song, each individual dance. You see somebody saw something, they hop up on a desk. If they hit X amount per day, they'd be doing a parade around the room. There's all these celebrations around your first sale, your fifth sale, your 10th sale, you hit a million dollars. And, um, and it was, you know, I remember one, one of my friends came in, he's like, is it romper room in here? I was like, Hey, if that's what you want to call, whatever you want, brother, here our sales are going this way. Um, I remember I, I got a note from um, my CFO and said you need to come see me because I, I was I was shelling back and forth between New York and, and Newark and Philly and Camden, and uh, you need to come see me. And I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "Well, we got an eviction notice." I was like, "Eviction notice before we our training center is being built?" He said, "Yeah, uh, don't worry. I, I've taken care of it. I, I, uh, you know, I told him we wouldn't have a, a DJ anymore on Fridays. Okay." And, uh, and I was like, we have a DJ. He goes, yeah, it's on the second floor. And, uh, in the office. So he's in tune. Yeah. And he said, and we'll start, we'll, th- the letter was hilarious. It said like, we'll, I have a copy of the We'll stop stomping around, which was the parade. <laughs> um, and so, and, and, and you say like, well, that's ridiculous. I would never do that in my office. You know, I said, well, you know, we did, we had, we had players come over. Every week we had coaches come over, but like we literally, it was fun. It was a family and we were all in it together and we believed in something bigger than ourselves. We were like, we are going to change the world of sports forever because we're going to grow a business. We're going to, and like we had a vision. We had all, all these sayings, like, you know, all Sam Hickey. We had a GM, a, a very, very young GM who was, was uh, had all these amazing sayings, like, you know, if you want to go to the moon, don't bring a ladder, you know, stuff like that. And, and we would say them and the kids would say them. And he would come over and talk to the kids and they would say every, repeat everything he said over and over. And it became this family because we were going to do something that nobody else had ever done. And, uh, it was fun. Now, uh, that, that you asked yeah, me about okay. the fans as well. That was, that was harder. Like, um, but the research is really clear. Like you, you know, if, if a fan will come to an event, okay. Their likelihood to renew goes up. That's really clear. Now I think it's, it's causal, right? It's not causal, but, but it's an indication. So it gives you a better sense of the reality. So. So our, our process was we were going to talk to fans every game and I was going to be the pinata. And so, so Brett Brown, our coach at the time, he took usually 15 and then I took as many as they could bring in every game. And they were brutal, rough and roughed us up. And we just told them we loved them and to trust the process and believe, and that we were going to build something special and that we loved them and appreciated that they were staying with us. And, and we would give them a, a vision and a roadmap for the future. And, uh, and and amazingly, it seemed to work. You know, you, you fast forward, you know, four or five years, and we're first in the East and breaking all the records, and you know, increased our sponsorship by nine times, and you know, top five and ticket, our number one in ticket sales, number one in attendance, Cra- crazy uh, results. But that was, you know, after the team. So like, right. it just it's less fun for me. I you know, I like the I like this part, not this part. You know, um, but so it's pretty fun. It's really. Exciting. I'm, I'm
0: excited. I'm excited to put together the the recap on this episode because there are some really key common themes that tie through all these different points around really deeply understanding and listening to both your employees and your fans, right? Uh, have laying out a clear vision for the future and a roadmap telling the narrative and the story there's so many themes that tie together in all your different answers so i'm excited to piece all that together and we send that out and uh we put show notes up on the show so or on the show uh on the apple and spotify and whatnot in our newsletter we put together kind of a more in-depth analysis of the episode and, and we'll link to both those things in the in the, in the show You just added i
1: was charming in those notes
0: We'll definitely put that in there, Scott. Thank you. I appreciate um, it. Well, any, any final words of advice for our listeners? And tell us as well after that piece of advice where people can follow along your journey because you've got a lot of really cool things coming up.
1: Sure. So, so um, you can follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter are the two best places people can follow me at Scott O'Neill. And I would, I would love to. I, I put content out regularly. So uh, I would love to interact with you there. Um, in terms of one piece of advice or thing to leave you with, I would love two things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double it. One is you, you be your authentic self every day and twice on Sunday. Um, and, and although when you're coming up through the journey, you, you, you're taking pieces of, of different people. But, but if you're rah-rah, be rah-rah. If you're analytical, be analytical. If you're strategic, be strategic. And then just put the pieces that you're not around you and make sure they're strong. Um, and secondly, I'd say just be intentional in everything you do, how you spend your time, um, the culture you create, um, the people you hire, the, um, the way you walk through the world. And I think life gets better.
0: Beautiful. It's a great place to end us. Scott, it has been wonderful having you. Guys, if you liked listening to him, go buy the book. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, but looking forward to our next conversation, Scott. Thanks again for coming on.
1: No doubt. Anything, anytime. I appreciate it. Keep doing your thing.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. If you're focused on guest experience or employee experience, definitely go check out our email newsletter. As we work with pro teams and college athletic departments around the country, we're taking the lessons that we learn from our experiments and our projects, and we're putting those insights into the newsletter a couple of times per week. You'll get everything from the articles and content that are inspiring us to innovate, as well as new tools that we're using and loving. If you get value from this show, you're gonna love the newsletter. To sign up, head to engagementpartners.com newsletter. Hey guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue. So when you're with us, hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.